Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we explore the captivating narrative of Jerusalem by Simon Sebag Montefiore. This sweeping historical account delves into the rich and tumultuous history of a city sacred to Jews, Christians, and Muslims alike. From its ancient foundations to its central role in global conflicts, Jerusalem uncovers the near-continuous battles and profound influence this unique metropolis has had on the course of human events. Authored by the award-winning British historian Simone Sebag Montefiore, whose works such as Young Stalin, Catherine the Great and Potemkin, and Stalin, the Court of the Red Tsar, have garnered critical acclaim and honors worldwide, Jerusalem stands as a testament to his prowess in bringing to life the stories behind fundamental historical episodes. This book is an essential read for anyone fascinated by theology, history, and the complexities of warfare. It will resonate deeply with individuals of Jewish, Christian, or Muslim faith, and those seeking to understand the historical background to the present-day conflicts in the Middle East. Join us as we journey through the chronicles of a city that has shaped and been shaped by the very fabric of human civilization. Jerusalem, the Biography. Introduction. Discover the Heart of Holiness, Jerusalem's pivotal role in shaping the world. Imagine a crossroad of faith, where the spiritual paths of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam converge. This is the essence of Jerusalem, a city with a gravitational pull on hearts and souls that has withstood the test of five millennia. This storied metropolis isn't just an emblem of religious fervor, but a living, pulsating entity that has shaped the course of history. At the heart of this narrative lies a question. Why does Jerusalem command such reverence across diverse faiths and epochs? As we delve into this city's layered past, we uncover the extraordinary legacy of Jerusalem and its enduring impact on civilization. Within the folds of this story, you'll discover the significance of the Temple of Solomon for Jewish belief and identity the compelling reasons behind Christianity and Islam's veneration of Jerusalem, and the intricate tapestry of global influences that have left their mark on this sacred city. Part 1. Unraveling the Tangled Roots of Early Jerusalem and the Arrival of the Israelites Beneath the layers of faith and legend, the land that would become Jerusalem bears witness to a distant dawn of human settlement. Historical narratives, supported by the touchstone of archaeology, reveal a continuous human presence stretching back to as far as 5000 BC. In this pursuit of the past, we cling to scraps of evidence, like ancient Egyptian inscriptions hinting at a place called Ursalim, which suggests an early recognition long before biblical narratives took hold. The significance of the term Salem tied to celestial worship, peeks through the veil of antiquity. While sanctity restricts digging into Jerusalem's core, findings from the outskirts whisper tales of early civilizations, among which were the Egyptians, who considered the region important enough to be included in their expansive empire around 1458 BC. Texts from that era tell us of a local ruler, King Abdiheba, who reaches out for reinforcements to protect the city. 
About 100 years onward, the stage was set for newer actors, the Hebrews or Israelites, whose monotheistic practices diverged sharply from their predecessors. The fabled exodus of the Israelites from Egypt under Moses set them on a path toward Jerusalem, with Joshua leading them to the city's foothills. Their trials, however, were far from over. Continuous conflict marked their early days in Jerusalem, culminating in the devastating loss of the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines in the Battle of Ebenezer. This sacred chest, believed to house the remnants of the Ten Commandments, symbolized the divine covenant with their deity, its capture, a profound defeat. Enter David, a hero in the making. His storied victory over Goliath paved his ascent as the uniting force against the Philistines, culminating in the retrieval of the Ark. Under his leadership, Jerusalem began to expand, sprouting new quarters like the city of David, signifying growth, albeit modest next to powerhouses like Babylon. David, in his final years, dreamed of a temple that would house the Ark indelibly within Jerusalem's borders, a vision his son Solomon vowed to fulfill. This impending temple, set to rise from David's aspirations, awaited Solomon's reign to grace the annals of history. Part 2 the twin beacons of Jerusalem, how two ancient temples shaped a faith. Rising from the storied grounds of the Temple Mount circa 900 BC, the first temple of Jerusalem was far more than an architectural triumph. It was a spiritual conduit. Within its sanctified walls was the Holy of Holies, a chamber designed as the earthly throne of the divine, reserved for the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God. Legend whispers of a moment of divine affirmation when God's presence enveloped the temple, offering a celestial promise to Solomon. This transformative event anchored Jerusalem as the eternal pivot of sacred encounters, shaping a spiritual legacy that echoed through the ages. Yet, the temple's spiritual luster was matched by its material wealth making it an irresistible target in a land scarred by warlords' ambitions. The Babylonian conqueror, Nebuchadnezzar, proved to be the temple's undoing, raising it to ashes around 587 BC, vanquishing the city, and castigating the Ark to the annals of the lost. From the smoldering ruins of the first temple, however, emerged the resilient spirit of Judaism. Displaced and disheartened, the exiled Jews in Babylon were stirred by a collective introspection, their faith crystallizing amidst the ordeal. It was during this period of forced reflection that the first chapters of what would become the Bible were penned. Cyrus the Great, Babylon's ruler, presented the exiled community with an opportunity that seemed heaven-sent, the chance to reclaim their desecrated homeland and resurrect a second temple upon the sacred mount. Embracing Cyrus's decree, some even regarded him as a messiah for his pivotal role in their faith's revival. With renewed zest, the Jewish exiles laid the foundations for what would be known as the second temple, completing it in March 515 BC, celebrating the first Passover since their ancestors' exodus from Egypt marked a resurgence of a more vigilant and devout Judaism, heralding an era of rebirth and rigorous adherence to their rejuvenated religious practice. 
Part 3. Amid chaos and conquest, the story of Jesus unfolds, leading to controversy and a nascent faith. As the dust settled from Roman conquest around 66 BC, Jerusalem found itself at the heart of a restless province under the shadow of an empire. The death of Herod the Great, who had ruled with an iron fist, left a void that heralded confusion and prophetic forebodings of doom. Prophets and would-be messiahs roamed the streets in those tumultuous times, their fiery declarations often leading to their demise at the hands of an unamused Roman governor. It was a period marked by anticipation and dread, a prophetic stage set for the arrival of a figure who would redefine history, Jesus of Nazareth. Though Jesus spent significant time away from Jerusalem, his sporadic visits seared an indelible mark on the city. With each entry, his apocalyptic messages rang louder, beseeching repentance as the only ticket to salvation. Resistance was palpable. Tensions flared as stones flew and murmurs of blasphemy spread. After all, he called himself the prophesied Messiah, claiming unity with the divine. His entrance into Jerusalem during Passover, likely in the year 33 AD, atop a donkey amidst the raucous festivities, was a theatrical moment ripe with symbolism. Predicting the fall of the temple and the nearing apocalypse, Jesus became too enigmatic a figure for the authorities to ignore. Confronted by an individual who defied order, the religious elite weighed their options. The involvement of Judas, leading Roman guards to Jesus, hastened a swift trial and subsequent crucifixion. The author postulates that, contrary to some gospel accounts, this was indeed the handiwork of Roman execution, a stark deterrent against insurrection. Contested by scholars and shrouded in mystery, the aftermath of Jesus' death remains a subject of debate. Narratives speak of watchful guards and sealed tombs, yet whispers of bribery and a stolen body persisted. What truly happened is buried in history. In the wake's turbulence, Jesus' followers, now known as the Nazarenes and led by his brother James, clung to their Jewish roots, worshipping at the temple, a testament to the nascent threads of a fledgling sect that would one day blossom into Christianity. Part 4 Rome's wrath descends on Jerusalem, ushering in an era of transformation and tragedy. Following in the footsteps of Jesus, his brother James stood as the beacon for the fledgling community of believers. However, it was Paul, the apostle, who cast a wider net, spreading the nascent teachings of Jesus to the Gentile world. Paul's fervent evangelism eventually led him to Rome and to his martyrdom under the blade of Emperor Nero. But while Paul's end was grim, darker clouds gathered over Jerusalem. In those days, displeasure festered in the city's veins as Nero's relentless brutality pressed the people into rebellion. Between 66 and 70 AD, the disdain for Roman oppression boiled over, prompting the high priests to outright reject the token of sacrificial allegiance to the tyrant Nero. This act of defiance summoned the empire's might in the form of Titus Flavius Vespasianus, who was tasked with crushing the revolt. Yet, as he set his sights on Jerusalem, Nero's death thrust him into the imperial throne, hence suspending the march on the city. When Roman legions finally besieged Jerusalem, 
they were met with the desperate valor of a city already ravaged by internal strife. The beleaguered citizens managed to hold the siege at bay for four grueling months. However, internal disunity, paired with the Roman onslaught, led to a cataclysmic fall. Rome's victory was vicious and unrelenting. Daily crucifixions and blockaded food supplies painted a gruesome picture, culminating in one harrowing tale of a mother's unimaginable choice. Ultimately, the destruction of the Second Temple amid a miasma of death signified the end of resistance and the loss of countless lives. Yet, amidst desolation, a profound resilience arose. Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakai, gazing upon the smoldering temple, urged his students to see past the rubble. His wisdom laid the groundwork for a Judaism reborn from ashes. Centuries later, the Prophet Muhammad would signal the fall of the Jewish temple as divine disfavor, forever entwining Jerusalem's fateful siege with the burgeoning Islamic faith. Part 5. Rome's Spiritual Revolution. A city transformed by the cross. In the wake of the temple's fall, Jerusalem underwent an identity shift, the Jewish presence reduced to remnants, as Aelia Capitolina rose from the ruins. The Damascus Gate, a symbol of Roman stability, was fashioned from the remnants of Jewish history. The spot marked by Jesus' crucifixion now supported an effigy to Aphrodite, a bold declaration of Rome's polytheistic culture. As the second century waned, Christian influence began its inexorable expansion, subsuming all else. Against this backdrop, the Roman Empire's gaze shifted from Jerusalem's Jewish community to the burgeoning Christian movement. Eventually, a narrow concession was made, permitting Jewish worship on the Mount of Olives. The year 306 AD witnessed a revolutionary turn with Emperor Constantine's divine epiphany. Embracing Christianity with fervor, he declared Jerusalem as the epicenter of Christian worship, setting an imperial precedent that would reforge the empire's religious landscape. Constantine's edict was unambiguous. Christianity was not only legitimate, but central, and non-Christian practices were no longer tolerated. Helena, Constantine's devout mother, turned her piety towards the veneration of holy relics. Her determination unveiled a cross bearing the inscription, Jesus, King of Jews, which, through its miraculous association with the healing of an ailing woman, was hailed as the genuine artifact of the crucifixion. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre rose as a monument to this newfound relic and Christian faith, likely enshrining the land that embraced Jesus' final resting place. The Church quickly ascended as the most sacred site in Christendom. Yet, as Christianity's monolithic presence grew within Rome, other traditions found themselves eclipsed and pressured. Jews, once the bedrock of Jerusalem, were now marginalized, their resistance to conversion met with fiery persecution. For a brief moment, Empress Eudokia softened the stance, permitting Jews more frequent access to their sacred sites during holy observances and initiating restorations that echo across the centuries, including walls that still watch over ancient corners of the city. But tolerance was short-lived. In the 6th century, the reign of Justinian and Theodora fostered aims for a universal Christian empire, their vision unyielding to diversity. 
Under their rule, the societal fabric tightened, demanding conformity from pagans, homosexuals, Samaritans, and Jews, conceiving a culture shadowed by forceful baptisms and religious purges. Part 6. From Prophecy to Conquest Muhammad's journey intertwines with Jerusalem's destiny. The Roman Christian Empire, vast in its reach and audacious in its spiritual enterprises, eventually grappled with the age-old downfall of empires, overextension. This overreach weakened Jerusalem's defenses, rendering it susceptible to outside forces. The Persian forces, sensing opportunity, struck in 614 AD, allying with Jewish factions eager to reclaim the city from Christian dominance. This partnership was short-lived as the whims of Shah Khusrau II shifted, leading to the Jewish populace's expulsion merely three years post-conquest. The city's power dynamics yo-yoed once more when Byzantine forces, under Emperor Heraclius, reasserted control, triumphantly restoring the venerated True Cross to its sanctified home. Simultaneously, a transformative spiritual awakening began with the Prophet Muhammad. His meditative solitudes were pierced by Archangel Gabriel's revelations, heralding him as God's chosen voice, a bewildering honor that he reluctantly embraced. One profound vision catapulted Muhammad into a nocturnal odyssey, led by Gabriel on a winged steed to the furthest sanctuary, a sacred destination later believed to be Jerusalem's own Temple Mount. Embracing his appointed destiny, Muhammad galvanized a following, laying the foundations of the Islamic faith in Medina. This nascent Muslim community borrowed pieces of Jewish culture, respecting dietary prohibitions and the onset of Sabbath, underscoring the initial kinship between the two faiths. Yet, as revelations of a looming Judgment Day intensified, so did the urgency to expand the fold of believers. Tensions swelled, culminating in a jihad, the spiritual and at times martial struggle to unite under monotheistic Islam. Although Muhammad never set foot in Jerusalem, his demise in 623 AD left the mantle to Omar, the caliph with an astute grasp of the city's spiritual magnitude for Christians. In a display of strategic diplomacy, Omar navigated a bloodless transition of power, assuring Christian access while securing Muslim dominion over a city that was already the nexus of so much faith and history. Part 7. A fleeting Muslim harmony shattered by the onslaught of the First Crusade. The dawn of the First Muslim Dynasty ushered in a period of religious liberation for Jerusalem. Jews found themselves once more with the liberty to worship at the Temple Mount, a testament to the city's ever-evolving tableau of faith. Abd al-Malik, an early Islamic leader, knitted together the frayed seams of the Muslim community, both Shia and Sunni, through the monumental creations of the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The striking dome, adorned with gold, redefined Jerusalem's horizon around 692. The Al-Aqsa Mosque, whose final touches were overseen by Abd al-Malik's son, Walid, stood as Islam's exalted sanctuary. This era of architectural and spiritual significance also saw the finalization of Islam's sacred scripture, the Quran, which enshrined the pivotal role of Muhammad and delineated the intricate rituals of the faith while conferring the noble title of caliph upon Jerusalem's rulers. Yet, 
Jerusalem's hard-won tranquility was destined to unravel violently. The call to arms sounded by Pope Urban II in 1095 ignited the zeal of the First Crusade, an expedition of redemption aimed at reclaiming the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The Pope's clarion call beckoned his followers to purge the land of non-believers, promising absolution for their multitude of sins. Answering this call, a motley crew of sinners became soldiers, laying aside their vices for a chance at holy redemption. Their march towards Jerusalem left a trail of destruction as Jewish communities bore the brunt of forced conversions or death. Despite their lacking military discipline, the Christian crusaders were unified in purpose, a stark contrast to the discordant Islamic factions whose internal strife and power struggles prevented a united front. The divide among Arab and Turkish leaders played into the hands of the advancing crusaders, ultimately allowing them to breach Jerusalem's walls and unleash a wave of slaughter upon the city's inhabitants. The aftermath was ghastly, with the city strewn with severed limbs and corpses, as crusaders, baptized in blood, carved a path of desecration through the heart of Jerusalem. Part 8. A Dynamic Struggle for Jerusalem, the Rise of Saladin, and the Crusading Fervor In the turbulent aftermath of the First Crusade, a striking figure emerged to challenge the Christian hold over Jerusalem, Saladin. His ascent from the prodigious nephew of a noted general to the revered sultan created an empire that spanned from Egypt and Syria to the reaches of Yemen and Iraq. Saladin's military acumen dealt a decisive blow to the crusaders on the desert plains outside Jerusalem, capturing their king, Guy, and dispatching him to the secure confines of Damascus. Averting the bloodshed of a direct assault, Saladin opted for negotiation, enforcing a ransom for the people of Jerusalem to avoid enslavement or death. The magnanimous sultan garnered a hefty sum of 220,000 dinars, liberating the majority of the city's occupants. In a further act of clemency, he freed an additional 1,000 prisoners before claiming dominion over Jerusalem. While some voices clamored for the annihilation of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, Saladin's measured approach allowed Christians a modicum of sanctuary within the city's walls. However, his reign notoriously set the stage for an era of recurring crusading zeal. The Second Crusade, largely ineffectual, gave way to the Third, led by renowned figures like England's Richard the Lionheart and France's Philip II. Richard's military prowess shone through at Jaffa, positioning him at the forefront of crusading valor. A pivotal treaty in 1193, struck by Richard, guaranteed Christian access to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. This theme of negotiated peace persisted, as evidenced by the Sixth Crusade's aftermath in 1229, when Roman Emperor Frederick II came to terms with Sultan Camille. Their historic accord ushered in at least a decade of calm, allotting Jerusalem and Bethlehem to Frederick while maintaining Muslim oversight of the Temple Mount. The compromise might have been landmark, but it sat uneasy with Jews, who were neglected in the treaty, as well as with Muslims, who lamented the division of their city, and Christians, who yearned for a more comprehensive victory. The agreement sketched a new but fragile template for coexistence, 
suggesting a shared but contentious future for the sacred city that was ever at the mercy of the next political tide. Part 9. From the Ashes of Destruction. The Mamluks Rise and the Rebirth of Jerusalem. In the heat of a summer day on July 11, 1244, the fierce Tata horsemen laid siege to Jerusalem. Their swords sang a gruesome serenade to destruction, leaving the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in embers, its caretakers massacred. Out of this smouldering chaos rose an unlikely new regime, the Mamluks, a class bred from slavery to mastery. The narrative of the Mamluks is one of remarkable ascendance, spearheaded by a striking slave-turned-sultan, the formidable Baybars, the Panther, a formidable figure marked by his blonde hair and piercing blue eyes, Baybars had endured the life of a slave, shuttled between masters across Syria and Egypt, his fate reshaped by his embrace of Islam. In 1260, Baybars, as the commander of the Mamluk forces, orchestrated a pivotal defeat against the marauding Mongols. Anticipating recognition, he was denied his due by Sultan Qutuz, a slight Baybars would not tolerate. With Qutuz's blood on his hands, Baybars seized the crown and turned his martial gaze towards any lingering crusaders and the jewel they had so coveted, Jerusalem. Once Baybars settled into power, he imposed a rigorous caste system within the city walls. Jews bore the mark of the yellow turban, Christians that of blue, and both were stripped of the dignities of armor, fur, and the prestige of horseback riding. Baybars marched his army with relentless zeal, toppling crusader strongholds like dominoes and adorning his conquests with the grotesque trophies of beheaded foes. Yet despite his military prowess, Baybars' reign was cut short by a fatal mix-up in a poisoning plot gone awry. At the time of his death in 1277, Jerusalem was but a shadow of its former glory, largely abandoned and in ruins. The mantle of restoration fell to Sultan Nasir Muhammad, who, against the backdrop of decay, undertook ambitious reconstructions in 1317. Under his orders, the grandeur of the Temple Mount was resurrected, the dome and Al-Aqsa Mosque furnished with new roofs, and the gates of the city lavishly embellished. Nasir Muhammad breathed new life into Jerusalem, not only repairing its edifices, but reinvigorating its allure as a city worthy of its sacred history. Part 10. Ottoman Ascendancy. Jerusalem's Renaissance and New Waves of Pilgrims. The ever-shifting story of Jerusalem saw a moment of reprieve under Mamluk rule as the Jewish community gained the long-awaited right to restore their synagogues. The Jewish quarter burgeoned, and a substantial number of residents, about 1,000, made their home within its boundaries. The city, lucrative as ever, capitalized on the influx of European Christian pilgrims, though its future was characteristically precarious. In the waning days of Mamluk dominion, a fresh power stepped onto the historical stage, the ambitious, sprawling empire of the Ottomans. In 1516, Sultan Selim the Grim led his forces to a relatively uncontested victory over Jerusalem, enveloping it within the expansive embrace of the Ottoman realm. Selim's death bequeathed his empire to Suleiman, his youthful successor, whose wife likened him to the legendary Solomon. 
Propelled by a dreamlike encounter with Muhammad, Suleiman was charged with the divine task of rejuvenating Jerusalem. His half-century reign saw him pour his heart into the city's transformation, leaving a legacy of aesthetic splendor that endures in the old city's visage to this day. Under Suleiman's vigilant patronage, Jerusalem's population flourished, swelling to 16,000 residents inclusive of Jews and the recently emergent Protestants. The Sultan cast a welcoming net to the Sephardic Jews fleeing the Spanish Inquisition's relentless scourge, offering them refuge within the city's nurturing walls. In his embrace of diversity, Suleiman granted the Jews a section of Herod's ancient Temple Mount, a nine-foot wall that would come to bear profound spiritual resonance. Today, it stands as the iconic Western Wall, or the Wailing Wall, a bastion of Jewish devotion. Meanwhile, in distant Europe, the foundations of religious authority quaked as Martin Luther's piercing critiques of the Catholic Church set the stage for Protestantism and its scripture-centered worldview. This shift propelled the Bible, and thereby Jerusalem, its geographic and spiritual heart, to newfound stature. The city once more found itself at the epicenter of a spiritual awakening, as waves of pilgrims set their sights on its ancient, hallowed grounds. Part 11. On the Cusp of Change A Struggle for Nationhood in the Twilight of Ottoman Rule Under the Ottoman Empire's long tenure, Jerusalem had become an enduring tapestry of cultures and faiths. Yet, the city could not escape the tumultuous tides of the 19th century, which brought an infusion of new inhabitants and the stirrings of national aspirations. It was a perilous era for Jews in Russia, where the baseless accusation linking them to the assassination of Emperor Alexander III triggered a mass exodus. From 1888 to 1914, two million Jews fled the shadow of Russian persecution, and thousands sought solace within Jerusalem's storied walls. This influx of Jewish refugees crystallized into a clarion call for self-determination, known as the Zionist movement. At the helm of the First Zionist Congress in 1897, Visionaries echoed the sentiments of luminaries, like Napoleon and U.S. President John Adams, voicing a dream for a Jewish homeland in Jerusalem. Moses Hess, a contemporary of Karl Marx, anticipated a surge of anti-Semitism and envisioned Palestine's future as a bastion for a Jewish socialist republic. Yet, this burgeoning Jewish quest for independence unfolded alongside an equally fervent Arab nationalist movement. Both sought the same, a sovereign destiny in the land that cradled Jerusalem. World War I escalated the stakes as the Ottomans, clinging to loyalties, struggled against Arab calls for a territory to call their own. The British, adversaries of the Ottomans, dangled the promise of independence to secure Arab support. The result was the Arab Revolt of 1916, a striking bid for a nation free from Turkish rule. Amidst these monumental upheavals, Zionism emerged not just as a cultural force, but as a strategic asset. The Allies, particularly the British and French, recognized the value of Zionist support to keep Russia firm in the fold of the war effort against Germany and the Ottomans. Germany, not blind to the perceived influence of Jewish communities, launched pro-Zionist campaigns to sway Jewish allegiance. This period also saw the dissemination of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, an infamous anti-Semitic fraud 
suggesting a covert Jewish global dominion. Germany aimed to harness this mythical Jewish influence for their advantage. The turbulent chessboard of World War I led the United Kingdom to cast an influential move, the Balfour Declaration of 1917. This landmark statement from the British government endorsed the establishment of a Jewish national home in Palestine, tipping the scales of history and adding a new chapter to Jerusalem's story, entwined with the birth of nations. Part 12. Post-war pledges and entangled alliances set the stage for strife in Jerusalem. The conclusion of World War I bore witness to a cascade of international decisions that would unwittingly perpetuate the cycle of discord in Jerusalem. The Balfour Declaration, born of strategic necessity, narrowly missed being rendered irrelevant as it preceded Russia's withdrawal from the war due to the Bolshevik Revolution by mere hours. Compounding the complexity was the secretive Sykes-Picot Treaty forged between Britain and France, which outlined a division of spoils across the Middle East. Under this pact, Syria and Lebanon fell to French dominion. Britain claimed Iraq and sections of Palestine, and Jerusalem was slated for joint Franco-British-Russian stewardship, a vision later derailed by the Russian Revolution. The ensuing quagmire unfolded at the Paris Peace Conference of 1919, where the international community grappled with the tangled web of wartime promises. The U.S. President, Woodrow Wilson, came under fire for perceived ineptitude in curtailing imperial appetites, culminating in the mandate swindle that placed Palestine under British governance and Syria under French control. This arrangement paved the way for Arab Emir Faisal to ascend as the symbolic king of Greater Syria, a territory that included Lebanon and Palestine. This move, however, intensified Arab grievances, igniting furor against the Balfour Declaration's commitment to a Jewish homeland. In the wake of this turmoil, Jerusalem teetered on the brink, with passionate Arab protesters decrying Jewish presence. The British, in a bid to ameliorate tensions, appointed Sir Ronald Storrs as Jerusalem's governor. Yet Sir Ronald, armed with a woefully inadequate police force, faced an almost insurmountable task as violence escalated and the Jewish quarter spiraled into an abyss of terror. The influx of 88,000 Jews into Palestine between 1921 and 1929 crystallized the harsh reality. Hostility was deep-seated, and the vision cast by the Balfour Declaration was far from a peaceful coexistence. Jerusalem stood divided, ensnared in contention that promised to shadow its future. Part 13. Untangling the Knots of Conflict British efforts meet with extremist resistance. In the aftermath of World War I, an ever-tightening grip of conflict choked Jerusalem. 1921 marked an attempt by Britain to stem the tide of violence as Winston Churchill, then colonial secretary, recalibrated territorial leadership, crowning Emir Faisal as the ruler of the newly formed Kingdom of Iraq and abandoning the concept of a greater Syria. Churchill sought to bridge the widening chasm between Arabs and Jews by reminding them of the Jews' deep historical roots in the region. He instituted a dual governance structure for Jerusalem, appointing both a mayor and a mufti, who would represent the city's Muslim legal authority. Ragheb Nashashibi became mayor, 
while Haj Amin Husseini took on the prominent role of Mufti. However, rather than assuaging hostilities, Husseini's reign fanned the flames of enmity. A scandalized anti-Semite with an eye towards Hitler's rise, Husseini's tenure ignited heinous violence. Following the vengeful response to the tragic death of a Jewish boy, Husseini incited further bloodshed, precipitating the Thawrat al-Burak riots of 1929, a harrowing chapter that left 131 souls lost. Amidst this turmoil, the Zionist movement underwent its own ideological shift, with David Ben-Gurion rising to prominence over the conciliatory Chaim Weizmann. His ascent was a staunch rebuttal to Husseini's calls for a fascist leadership, embodying a hardening Jewish stance. The 1930s bore witness to strained efforts at reconciliation, with British and Zionist shareholders pondering a two-state solution. Husseini's derision of the proposal only served to deepen the schism, giving rise to more bloodshed. Husseini ruthlessly purged all perceived dissent, including relatives and Arabs who dared engage with the British. Even Mayor Nashashibi found himself endangered, his moderate opposition landing him on a hit list. From this vendetta sprang two distinct Arab factions. Delineated by their choice of headgear, Husseini's supporters donned the checkered kefiya, while Nashashibi's followers, the Fez, each a sartorial declaration of political allegiance. Jerusalem lay divided, bracing for what would come next in the shadow of extremism and fraught attempts at peace. Part 14, The Partition Plan, Fallout and Bloody Battle for a City Divided. As the 1940s unfurled, the peace-seeking spirit that once pervaded Jerusalem waned, giving way to heightened hostilities that spared none, not even the British, overseeing the mandate of Palestine. The explosion that rocked the King David Hotel on July 22, 1946, epitomized the era's burgeoning extremism. Israeli militants targeted the British military headquarters, housed in the hotel, unleashing devastation that claimed the lives of 91 individuals. Efforts to quench the escalating conflict led the United Nations to propose a two-state solution in 1947, with a special status for Jerusalem under international governance. This plan was met with staunch opposition from the Arab Higher Committee, prompting a series of violent clashes that inflicted severe casualties across Arab, Jewish and British lines. In the shadow of mounting pressure, Israeli forces launched a brutal assault on the Arab village of Deir Yassin on April 9, 1948. Ignoring directives to spare non-combatants, the attackers used grenades to execute a slaughter that would stain the pages of history. Retribution was swift and merciless when Arab forces targeted a Jewish medical convoy en route to Hadassah Hospital, resulting in the deaths of 77 doctors and nurses. The incident's brutality was memorialized through macabre souvenirs, deepening the cycle of violence. The departure of British forces on May 14, 1948, heralded a new chapter for Jerusalem. Jews secured Western Jerusalem, while Arabs held dominion over the Old City and East Jerusalem. These fault lines marked the beginning of the Battle of Jerusalem, igniting on May 18, only days after Israel declared independence. Despite international recognition from leaders like President Truman and Stalin, Israel's hold on survival seemed tenuous. The 
the Jewish fighters vastly outnumbered, braced for the onslaught that would surge through the historic corridors of the old city. The initial clash ended in Israeli defeat, the cherished Western Wall slipping from their grasp. But as 1948 waned, Israeli forces pressed their advantage, spilling the conflict beyond the old city and into the vast Negev desert. A devastating campaign secured a ceasefire, compelling armistice agreements with the Arab states, a fraught peace for a city scarred by the ravages of war. Part 15. Political tensions and a swift military campaign reshaped Jerusalem's fate. Despite the unresolved dichotomy of Arab and Jewish dominions, Israel took a bold step on December 11, 1949, proclaiming Jerusalem as its capital, an act that resonated deeply given the city's divided state. The echoes of medieval times reverberated as King Abdullah of Jordan rose to rule over the city's Arab-held sectors, a title reminiscent of the Age of Crusaders. However, stability remained elusive, with Abdullah succumbing to an assassin's bullet within the sacred confines of the Al-Aqsa Mosque in 1951. His grandson Hussein ascended the throne, bringing a tempered approach and an openness towards dialogue with Israel that stood in stark contrast to surrounding despots like Saddam Hussein. Yet threats loomed on the horizon. President Gamal Abdel Nasser of Egypt saw the divided Jerusalem as a blight on Arab dignity, while Yasser Arafat of the PLO mounted a strike against Israel in 1965. Although unsuccessful, the attack galvanized Palestinian spirits and inflamed Arab hostilities towards Israel. Caught between a desire for peace and the demands of pan-Arab solidarity, King Hussein found himself coerced by Nasser into choosing sides. Resigned, he inclined towards conflict, and in 1967, an aerial assault by Jordan signaled the commencement of hostilities. Syria joined Egypt's cause, amassing forces and amplifying the foreboding sense of a looming war that drove Yitzhak Rabin, Israel's chief of general staff, into paralyzing anxiety. On June 5, 1967, the tension snapped as Jordan bombarded Israel with thousands of shells, beckoning what would be known as the Six-Day War. Israel's response was swift and severe. They laid waste to Jordan's air force and seized key strategic points, including the United Nations government house, in a matter of hours. Amidst the night's chaos, Israeli paratroopers ventured westward, capturing the American colony's northern bounds on June 6. The inexorable advance continued the next day up to the Mount of Olives, signaling the twilight of Jordanian resistance. A single tank, facing down a barricade at the Lion's Gate, heralded the final push for the Temple Mount. With the breach of that historic gate and the ensuing skirmish, the fate of Jerusalem shifted once more. The city, long divided, was now under Israeli control. Part 16. A city at the crossroads of history and hope, grappling with peace and identity. The Israeli incursion into Jerusalem's old city during the Six-Day War, culminating in the piercing of the Lion's Gate, unlocked the path to the Western Wall for Jewish soldiers. Their tears mingled with the dust of centuries as they tread upon grounds hitherto held only in collective memory. Israel's extension of a peaceful olive branch to Arab neighbors and affirmation of worship for all faiths rang through Moshe Dayan's address. However, the Temple Mount, 
Judaism's holiest site, remained under WAQF management, reflecting the complexities of sacred spaces intertwined with political sovereignty. Since that pivotal war, Jerusalem has remained mired in convoluted gridlock. Beliefs, as diverse as the city's inhabitants, conjure visions of end times, with some Christians interpreting Jewish sovereignty as a harbinger of Armageddon. The ignition of the Al-Aqsa Mosque by Australian Christian arsonists in 1969 attempted to hasten prophetic events. Tense episodes like the 1982 Temple Mount shooting further entangled the narrative, fueling rumors of Israeli plots to erect a third temple despite its fringe appeal within Judaism. Despite continued strife, including the Palestinian Intifada of 1987, which propelled the militant group Hamas into the spotlight and dimmed the prospects of unity, there is an undying ember of hope. The 1993 treaty and ongoing negotiations, despite setbacks, reveal a Palestinian leadership still open to dialogue. However, the path to peace remains treacherous. With Israel's controversial settlements encroaching on Arab lands, the likelihood of achieving harmony seems ever elusive. For a true resolution, a cessation of such expansionist policies is critical. Only then can the shared mission of peace for Jerusalem and its myriad peoples inch closer to reality. Final summary. Jerusalem, a city whose storied past weaves through the intricate tapestry of human civilization, embodies the monumental influence of religious devotion on world events. It has endured as a nexus of sacred traditions, ceaselessly striving for a coexistence marred by periodic eruptions of strife. Amidst the echoes of ancient battles and the whispers of prophetic foresight lies a persistent aspiration towards unity and diversity. Though Jerusalem's history is dappled with cycles of aggression, the enduring spirit of this holy city illuminates the potential for a shared future of peace among all its peoples. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.